Well, I want to welcome you to River Valley and to our Easter service. Uh, the title of my message today is An Empty Cross, An Empty Tomb, But No Empty Promises. And I know that we live in a culture where people promise all the time to us and they can't live up or fulfill their promises. But I want to tell you something. You got to come against what society says where they say, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And we've got to overcome that and realize that the promises of Jesus Christ today, an empty cross and an empty tomb, they are not too good to be true. They're real. And I know our culture has that saying, and it's, it's not just us. All around the world, there's a, a skepticism towards the promises that are out there. I know when I worked in Russia, they had a saying that was similar to ours. They said, there's no such thing as free cheese. And I thought about I like ours better, but the point is, if it sounds too good to be true, there might be a trap with it. How can it be true? How can it be real? And the promises of Jesus are true. They're not empty. And I'm going to tell you this. Instead of giving us promises that are empty, I believe Jesus Christ today gives us emptiness full of promise. An empty cross and an empty tomb full of promise. Now, I want you to know that at our church and at churches all around the world, there's an empty cross. There's empty crosses everywhere. And the empty cross is here to remind us that somebody died on that cross, that something happened there. And you may not realize this, but Rome actually invented the form of torture on the cross. They didn't mean for it to be lethal when they first started it. What they wanted to do was have their slaves and people that disobeyed, they'd put them on the cross and as a form of shame and intimidation. And so they'd hang the people up there only to punish them, but then to take them down. It was just a non-lethal way of punishment. And when I think about non-lethal, I think about our oldest son, Connor. Um, when he was younger, he was in this contest about how much do you love your dad? It was for Father's Day. And he drew a picture of me on one side of the paper and a picture of him on the other side of the paper. And then he drew all these snakes in the middle. And he said, I love my dad so much, I would walk through non-lethal snakes to save him. <laughs> So being the dad, I went to him and I said, well, you, you meant you love me so much, you would walk through lethal snakes to save me. And he goes, no, I don't. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> no. Although the cross started out non-lethal, it turned lethal. The cross became a, a killing machine. And I can tell you this, that Jesus Christ knew that. He knew he wasn't going to a, a non-lethal cross. He knew he was going to a lethal cross that was going to take his life. Rome made it in such a way that the cross was so bad that their own citizens couldn't even be crucified because it was so bad. It was so painful. It was so shameful. Matter of fact, at one point throughout the countryside of Israel, there were 6,000 crosses. 6,000 crosses, not one or three, 6,000 crosses, all with an individual on them. It was as if Rome was saying, hey, if you cross us, we can make 6,001. This is a warning to everyone that if you cross us, you're going on that cross. And Jesus never did anything wrong. The Bible tells us that he was perfect, that he was sinless. He never did anything wrong. And yet they, he was falsely accused and they put him on that cross. And Jesus willingly laid down his life. He died on that cross for you and I. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27, verse 35, five, it says, when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. 
Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus was crucified. He died on that cross so you and I could be forgiven. What were we forgiven of? We were forgiven of our sins. Now, sin is not a word that a a lot of churches feel comfortable talking about, but we do. And we would say this, that even though it's politically incorrect to talk about sin, Jesus Christ died and all of our sins were placed upon Jesus. Jesus is not just someone that you follow because he makes you feel nice or makes you more successful. Jesus is the one you give your life to because he paid the price for your sins. Because the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sinned. Every one of us has done something that has fallen short of his perfect holiness, his glory. The Bible calls that sin. The Bible calls it wickedness when we walk away from God and we say, I don't want to be with you, God. I want to live my own life and I want to go away from you. And God says, I place all of that on Jesus Christ. He died in your place. Some of us hold on to our sin and you don't have to. You don't have to. Jesus Christ would forgive you of your sins if you would ask him today. And at the end of this service, we're gonna give an opportunity for that. You don't have to hold on to it. You say, well, I'm not perfect. You're right. The perfect one died on that cross. And whenever you see an empty cross, you can be reminded that the perfect one was there in your place, paying the price for your forgiveness. Now, some would say that he didn't die on the cross, that he just faked it. Let me tell you something. He didn't fake it. He really died. And the Roman centurion that was there, when he saw him die, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. That empty cross says, someone paid the price. When Jesus died, they took his body and they put it in a tomb. And I asked all of our campuses to have a a tomb like this, to have it be built for us, just kind of a replica And I want to let you know that this is very similar to how the tombs were in Israel. When we were over in Israel with our church and we brought a group over there, this is very similar to the tomb that they laid the body of Jesus in. What they would do is they would lay the the body inside the tomb and then they'd roll the stone in front of the opening. That's why the stone looks very familiar. It's a stone that could be rolled into place, a very heavy stone. And you think, why would they have a stone that they could roll in place and then roll out of place? What they would do is they would take the body of someone that died, they would put him in the tomb, then they would seal it up and they would leave that person in there for a year. A year later, after the body had decomposed, the family would come and get the bones and then they'd have another burial. So that's why they needed a stone that could be rolled in place and rolled out of place. That's why the the women were wondering when they were going to the tomb, they're wondering who is gonna roll away the stone for us because they knew how it worked. And they knew that they had to prepare the body of Jesus and put the spices on his body because it was going to decompose over a year. But they had no idea what they were in store for. In Luke chapter 24, it says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. And the empty tomb tells us that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The empty cross was the moment, and it reminds us that he paid the price for our sins. And in that moment, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? 
But the empty tomb says God did not forsake him. God brought him back from the dead. And he said, you're a living savior. Your promises are true. And it's been nearly 2,000 years since the cross was empty and the tomb was empty. But the promises of Jesus Christ are anything but empty. They're true. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we see an empty cross, and we see an empty tomb, it tells us that the victory has been given to us because of the price that Jesus paid. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about this some more, but I want you to hear this song. And as you listen to this song, and as we sing this song, I want us to realize this. The promises of Jesus Christ are true. An empty cross says it, an empty tomb says it. You can be forgiven of your sins, you can have eternal life, you can get in on the greatest promises ever made because they're true. I've seen men spend their lifetime making money, and I know some of the richest men in America, and I know how miserable some of them are. I've seen men strive all their lives to attain political power, and they get political power, they get the office they were seeking, but it doesn't bring the peace and the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment they thought it would. But here's an interesting thing. I've never seen a person give their lives to Jesus Christ sincerely, but what they didn't find, what they were looking for. He's satisfied. The deepest longings of our hearts and our lives. with me. Your love 
can be seated again. An empty cross, an empty tomb. They tell us that his promises have something behind them. They have something behind them. He has the power to back up his promises. And that's something that you want to look at when you're looking at your life and you're saying, can I trust this? Can I trust this? Are, are these promises filled with powers? There's something there. Because I've found people that have made all sorts of promises in life that they don't keep forever. They say, you get a raise, you'll be promoted, this will happen. And we know that sometimes people have the best intentions, but they don't have the power to back up their promises. It reminds me of somebody that had found Russell Edward Herman. In 1995, he made all sorts of promises to people. He promised them all sorts of money in his will. Matter of fact, he promised everyone in one county in Ohio. He said, each of you is now a millionaire. And he left that to him in his will. It's pretty exciting. Those families open up this notice that they've been named in the will and they've been left millions. The Parks Department of the United States of America was left $2.4 billion for the national parks. They were ecstatic, like, this is amazing. We were named in his will and he promised us this money. This is amazing. The federal government was promised $6 trillion to pay off their debt. It was smaller back then. <laughs> and then they realized, wait a minute, does this guy have the ability to back up any of his promises? They found out this guy that was promising millions and billions and trillions, all he died with was an Oldsmobile Toronado car. He had no ability to back up any of his promises. But I'm telling you this right now, that God raised his son Jesus from the dead and he said, you think I have power? You bet I have power. I have power over death, hell, and the grave and you can bank on my promises. There are over 30,000 promises in God's word and he has the power to back them up because he said, I paid the price on the cross. I rose from the dead. I have the power to back up my promises. That's why the writer of Hebrews says this. He said, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We can hold on to those 30,000 promises because if he said it, he's faithful. He has power and we don't have to doubt it, not for one moment. Jesus said this in John eleven twenty five: I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And he was saying, you'll have eternal life. You may die on this earth, but that's not what it's all about. There's more to it. You can be raised to life like Jesus was, and you can be raised to life and have eternal life. It's a promise that Jesus gives to you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Every one of us needs to be saved from our sins. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, and somebody had to die, but Jesus took your place. And he says, if you'll just confess that, if you realize that he took your place, and you'll believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. There's one more. John 2.25, it says, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. He promised us eternal life, that if we would ask for forgiveness, he would give us that eternal life. Man, the empty cross, the empty tomb, it tells us that he has the power to fulfill his promises, and it's up to us to believe them. It's up to us to ask Jesus to forgive us so we can be included in the promises of Jesus Christ. 
And I'm going to ask here and at all of our campuses and online, would you bow your head right now and close your eyes? I believe this is a, a special moment now. This is a moment for all of us to look inside of our heart and to say, do we know you, Lord Jesus, as our Lord and Savior? Do we realize that you paid the price on the cross for our sin? Do we realize that you rose again from the dead and your promises are true? And this is our moment right now to give our life to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I want in. I believe in my heart. I will confess with my mouth. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm going to ask that here and all across our campuses and online that people would get in on this prayer. They'd say, I agree with this. I believe this. I want in. And I'm going to ask in just a moment that if you want in on this prayer, that you're going to raise your hand and look up at me. Others will have their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And they'll be looking up. And at the campuses, they'll be looking up. It's one of those moments where we can just say, Jesus, I'm, I need you, I need you, I need you. And I'm going to ask that you'd raise your hand and look up at me and I will acknowledge it. Then you can put it down. But all across this place, people are praying. They are praying that you'd give your life to Jesus Christ and you'd realize an empty cross, an empty tomb, but promises you can bank your life on. So if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Rob, include me in the prayer. I want in. I want forgiveness. This is my moment. I'm not here by accident. I feel the tug of the Holy Spirit right now. I want in. I want to be included. Would you do that here? And would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Rob, I'm in. Yes, I see your hand. There are others. Raise them high so I can see them all across this. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, 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 yes. And in the back, all across the back there, several hands together. A couple of hands, three, four in a row. That's so good. I'm going to keep looking here. In the middle, yes, yes, yes. There's hands going up all over. Yes, I come into agreement. Yes, in the back over there. Yes, 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 way in the back. Yes, a couple hands over here, grouped together, holding them up. Three, four, five hands. It's so good. I see your hand right there on the second row. And in the middle, I see him in the back. I don't want to miss any. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to start at my right, your left. And if that's you, you don't think I saw your hand, raise it high. Let me see it. My right, your left. I see him. There's hands all through there. I come into agreement, even way in the back. And I'm scanning here. Yes, I come into agreement. And in the middle section, one more time, let me look through the middle. Make sure, yes, hands going up all over. And in my left, your right. Yep, yep, yep. So good. And in the far, far section, far section. Matter of fact, I don't even want to forget about this. In the overflow room, there are people there. Someone will see you if your hand is raised. There's a pastor in there right now watching for you too. This is for everyone. And online, we may not see your hand, but we are coming into agreement with you. You can put your hands down all across this place. And I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you to do this. Repeat after me. If you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, Jesus says you'll be forgiven. You'll be forgiven of your sins. And I want you to repeat this after me out loud. And as a form of agreement, I'm going to ask those around you to pray it out loud with you. Just as a form of encouragement, they're thrilled that you're making this decision. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. But I receive that forgiveness that you paid for on that cross. Thank you for dying for me so I could have eternal life. I believe you rose again and your promises are true and I will live my life every day for you. Give me the strength to live for you, Jesus. In your name I pray. 
God, I thank you for those that made that prayer of faith. They just believed it in their heart. They prayed it with their mouth. It seems so easy, so true. It, it is true. It was easy. We did the easy part. You did the hard part. You died on the cross. You came back from the dead. And you proved that your promises can be counted on. You did the hard part. We do the easy part, the receiving. And so God, I pray that we'd realize this now. Because your word is true. Because your promises are true. Because you have the power to back up your promises. We are forgiven. We have eternal life. And we are now your sons and daughters. And we thank you for that forgiveness. Everything we have ever done wrong has been forgiven because of the price that you paid. Now, God, again, give us the strength to live for you every day of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Almost 50 people did that. Can we say thank you to God for all the people that raised their hands? It's so good. It's so good. Now, we are not done. We are not done celebrating. We have something that we want to do. Uh, we have a little booklet that we made. It's called, Now What? And we give it to everyone that makes that decision to follow Jesus. Matter of fact, we always have it available at the Welcome Center. But today, we're going to have it uh, available up here in the front because I'm going to ask you to do two things. Get this book, and then I'm going to ask you to do something. Those that made that decision of faith to go public with your faith. You made a decision privately between you and God. We had that prayer, but now I'm gonna ask you to go public with it. Usually I ask people, I say, before you go to bed tonight, tell someone, tell your neighbor, call a friend, call a relative, just tell someone and do it at your own leisure. But today, because it's Easter weekend, we've asked that we do this. Those that made that faith decision in just a moment, would get up from their chair and come over onto the stage, walk past the empty cross, walk past the empty tomb into the promises of God. And we'd love to give you that book. Now, some of you are like, what about those of us that are shy? I wish we'd have done it on a different day. No, this, this is a great day to do it. And everybody here is gonna be cheering for you to do this because we're so glad you made that decision. It's true, it's true, it's true. Now, here's the thing, here's the thing. We want even those in the overflow room that did it, we want you to make your way in just a minute. And we're gonna ask you, you come over to this side and come across, and those almost 50 people that did that, you get to be part of this, but I'm gonna open it up to one other group, okay? If you gave your life to Jesus Christ in the last year, think about it, last 12 months since last Easter, we wanna invite you to come across the platform too as a way to say, I'm bold, I'm doing this. Maybe I, I gave you that opportunity to do it privately and just kinda, uh, just between you and a family member. Today's your day to go bold. And I want you to join them. Last year, over 2,000 people did this at our church. And so I believe there will be dozens of people that will join them. And we're gonna cheer for every single one of them. So they're gonna help you. Last thing, if you're one of those 50 people and you did it and you're still feeling like, oh man, I don't know. Grab the hand of the person next to you say, come with me across that platform because I want to be bold for Jesus and I need a friend to stand with me, all right? So let's stand all across this place. And those people that made that decision, come on, right now, make your way on over here as the band plays. Come on, there's dozens of people. Make your way, bring a friend who wait for you. Come on, come on now, do it. Be bold for Jesus, bold. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It's real. It's 
to see it all, their smiles and the joy on their face. It's real, it's real. The promises of Jesus are backed up because there's an empty cross and an empty tomb and His promises are real. I pray you love Jesus more today. You serve Him with all your heart and realize we serve a risen Savior that gives us eternal life, amen? Amen, have a great week serving the Lord. God bless you, He's risen indeed. Yeah.